Welcome, Stephen. How are you doing? I've I've not been too bad. I can't complain. Uh, I'm 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 good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, just uh, starting to enjoy the slightly cooler weather. Yeah, I I, I, I hear that from a lot of people. Um, uh, I got I got caught in a in a and not a very frequently occurring accurate weather forecast uh, about when the downpour is going to be today. Um, I, I went out having forgotten that the specific nature of it, you know, there being a storm between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. and at pretty much 1.36 on the dot, uh, there was torrential rain whilst I was outside. Uh, yep, there you go. Finally, an, an accurate weather forecast, which I shunned. Um, yeah. but you know that that's 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 testament to the accuracy of their statistical modeling oh do not start me off <laughs> so saying saying that uh today's episode uh is all about all about statistics so I, i'm i'm pretty sure we both have some thoughts uh that we would like to share but yeah I think I'll start off with, you know, one of the most uh, infamous quotes that there is. There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> um, this was, this was uh, popularized by, by Mark Twain, who uh, incorrectly attributed it to uh, someone else. So I, I don't think we actually know who officially used that you know came up with that line in the first instance but it's quite uh quite a damning statement in in of itself that there are lies damn lies and then there are statistics um as as we all know statistics play uh, a large part in in everyday life uh it can be found pretty much everywhere that we actually look uh, for me, one of the the most obvious places that you you see it heavily used is in advertising of yeah. pretty much any and everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we all we've all seen those adverts. Nine out of ten cats prefer whiskers. Other food cat food brands are are available, obviously. Um, but we have my my favorite section of uh, advertising are around cosmetic pro products um even more so the age-defying uh cosmetic <laughs> you know, products that you actually see out there that you know promise these fantastical results in just in just three weeks or two weeks or 10 days of, of use or your money back or your money back but it's usually backed by you know 90, 95%, you know, 90, 95% of people, you know, say that they, they saw visible signs of 
reduction of wrinkles or whatever the product is. Um, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty phenomenal statistic to actually quote uh, for your product. Ninety five percent. That's quite a high high percentage. Usually during the advert, if it's on if it's on television or if it's in in print on magazines or online, there's usually a little asterisk somewhere along the lines that tells you um, further information about the ninety five percent of of users you know seeing these remarkable results and it often says something like based on a based on a sample of 1000 people which then makes you question the legitimacy of the actual claim is a thousand out of over 65 million people in this country for example a sufficiently representative sample size to determine the effectiveness of that product? Do people really care about these lower level of statistics and just how many people have used it to yield this magical 95% success rate? You know, you know something people are seduced by numbers and this is the psychology of a large percentage, even though the sample size is really small. There are a lot of people, some intelligent, some not so intelligent, but the, 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 the issue is, is that when people are just looking at stuff or products are being advertised, people will only hang on to the big number, even though there is a more meaningful, smaller number somewhere in the screen, even if it is a little bit harder to read they will still be seduced by the headline of, of course and uh, there's legitimate reason why the, the 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 byline doesn't or the tagline let's let's insert the correct description of of that line um that there's a reason why it's you know significantly smaller than the the main figure that they want to draw your attention to um, yeah. In advertising, you see it sort of all of the time. You'll you'll hear a, a product or or a claim, you know, that sounds quite very fantastic, and particularly on radio. And you hear at the end of it, you know, subject to terms and con- conditions, and only applies in certain areas with certain restrictions, and you know, a whole host of whole host of things, which translates into print as the really fine find text you found you find at the bottom of the 50 point you know character size bit above it um, but no i think you're right um people people are seduced by the the statistics and the the, the bigger numbers um yeah. so i think there there are lots of different types of uh, statistical analysis that that are used for varying reasons uh, in society. And I think the, there's, a, there's a really big elephant in the room, obvious use of statistics at the moment. Do you, yeah. can, can you guess what it is? COVID-19. Ooh. Got it in one. Precisely that. COVID-19. 
this with this global pandemic. Uh, this has been driven by the release of or you know high frequency release of a variety of statistics predominantly around the infection rate, the death rate, and subsequent to that, the testing rate. What are, your, what are your thoughts on the statistics that have been published around COVID-19 so far? Well, there's a few levels. There's a moral level, there's a spiritual level, there's a civic level. And I guess what one would hope is that all the facts you're given are right or all the facts are true, or aren't truth and fact the same thing. Who knows? I guess with COVID, the problem that I identified very early on, as have many other people in this country, is that it wasn't really clear who knows what and what was actually happening. We were getting daily bulletins from various government ministers about the amount of people who had died or the amount of people who had been infected and at various points since this coronavirus pandemic began the way statistics have been counted have been changed the focus of the briefings given to the public has changed the criteria for a coronavirus death has changed the criteria for counting a coronavirus test has changed and i'm at the point now where i genuinely believe that no one in this country actually knows how many people have actually contracted coronavirus how many people have actually died from coronavirus and how many people have actually recovered from coronavirus and legislations are being drafted presented revoked u-turned and basically we're the only consistent thing is no one knows what the actual data is. So I've taken the time to try and find out for myself. There is a website where there are statistics about coronavirus data for all of the countries in the world, which is the John Hopkins University. And they have gathered all of the data and presented it in a very nice to look at dashboard. Now, the very first thing I did when I went onto that website was to look for the source data for the United Kingdom. Yeah. And they highlighted that their source for the United Kingdom statistics was coronavirus.data.gov.uk. So I thought, okay. Um, I've been on this website before, so now sounds, what sounds, sounds like a sounds like a pretty uh, robust, definitive, trustworthy type source that you would be inclined to, uh, you know, take at face value. Well, it's a government agency, isn't it? So you, you, you'd hope it'd be right. Yeah. And this is the government agency who provide this data feed to countries across the world so you'd hope it would be right 
And I think uh, to to add to that, not not only that, um, I think we were Mr. Mr. Johnson and the other ministers on the daily briefings on a regular basis routinely state that they are making their decisions and their plans based on the data. They are yes. listening to what the data is telling them to inform their decisions. Yeah. Well, I wanted to understand how they are using the data and how they have gathered the data. So with regards to coronavirus deaths, this is what I found. The total number of people who had a positive test result for COVID-19 and died within 28 days of the first positive test reported on or up to the date of death or reporting date. People who died more than 28 days after their first positive test are not included, whether or not COVID-19 was the cause of death. People who died within 28 days of a positive test are included. The actual cause of death may not be COVID-19 in all cases. People who died from COVID-19 but had not been tested or had not tested positive are not included. So a very simple question, Stephen, is so what the hell are these numbers they've been reporting for the last couple of months then? Because that statement there almost contradicts itself and leads you to believe, or it certainly leads me to believe, that these numbers aren't right. They can't be right because they're basically saying that they, they count people who've got it and they count people that haven't got it. Well, it, it sounds like a it sounds like a combination of the the affirmative Right. So had a had a positive test within the twenty-eight days, that's an easy include. But in the exclude part of that statement is interesting. So it, if you take it as a statement, <clears throat> excuse me, and if you take it to be a factual representation, if you lead by saying people who have died from coronavirus but haven't had a positive test aren't included in the statistics. How is it that you can determine that they've died from coronavirus? Exactly. So that's the bit that's uh, sort of a, a contradictory, contradictory statement. Is not, the, is not a positive test the determining factor to say that someone died from COVID-19 as opposed to a, a similar flu or you know respiratory related condition that is you know similar to COVID nineteen or or presents symptoms you know similar to it leading leading to death. So I, I think during the the period you're you're quite very right. There's been multiple revisions to the definitions of what is included in deaths in the the death number and that includes an extension of the settings that were uh in, included so the uh, care home statistics were later incorporated into it because the, the government stipulated what they counted in the first instance were 
deaths that occurred in the acute setting that have had a positive positive test. So they then extrapolated outwards. Um, so that was another particular change. On a national level, what I noticed as well was the uh, against the comparative charts that looked at our neighbours in Europe and thrown in America for good measure because they they appear as quite the outlier on on that chart is they started using the sort of rolling average position on on the chart which which changed the the shape of the curve ever so slightly in it but they always caveated the UK's position as as it as it increased to sort of overtake the previously you know highest number of deaths so between Spain and Italy um then they then the government you know went back to statistics as for the for the rationale as to why the higher rate that we're seeing in the UK is not as scary as it may seem by saying that other countries you know they can't confirm what methodology other countries were using or in some cases they stated that other countries didn't include nursing home deaths into their statistics which was um ironic given that the UK didn't include them themselves for a period of time mm-hmm. so statistics by themselves you know um aren't aren't static for that reason it it's there's a there's an evolution of of the criteria and situations that that forces or encourages adjustments to definitions i get that but for the general public um living through the the pan pandemic it it feels like there should be a singular version of the truth but what we actually have is not a singular version of the truth we have what we have are statistics i mean the problem with statistics you've already highlighted and considering what these statistics relate to you would have hoped that they would have rationalized the data and identified how they were going to report this data so well they could instill confidence in people because they've given a whole load of data over the last six months some of which have probably created massive amounts of anxiety for people um some of which or a lot of which were wholly negative um and i've always scratched my head because on the flystroke.com website instead of highlighting how many people had tested positive or how many people had died i had a running count which pulled from the john hopkins university of how many people recovered from um covid-19 globally because interestingly that was never a statistic that was ever published that i can recall on a national level or a global level yeah um, not i saw anyway no i think i um, think that 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 survival rate you know that that survival rate wasn't the statistic that was really focused on i think i think 
and I, I don't know if that is because from a societal point of view, your 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 interest isn't in a recovery recovery rate. Your interest is in the severity of the situation, i.e., as categorized by an exponentially rising number of deaths. I know I know we've already spoken about deaths, but we we, we spoke about the other elements that were also reported on. So, you know, the um, people on uh, intensive care units in the acute setting, the number of tests that were done, etc. So, I think the for the general populace i think a recovery rate wasn't the thing of interest because the trends in terms of the other statistics that they had available were only ever sort of increasing but who decides that is the thing of interest or not because you suggested that i i it would have been a thing of interest to me and but, and and that additional data point no matter how simplified would have given a, a comparator. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it would have done. But it's an interesting point. As I said, I think the exponential the exponential nature of all of the 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 data across the other metrics didn't necessarily. I don't think it would have it would have been offset by a re, a recovery rate, which would be quite flat for all intents and purposes against, against it well it, it 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 is at this point because unlike yourself i i i can't say that i actually monitored what the recovery rate is on 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 a, a uk level or a international level but for all of the calculations that i've seen against the actual uh, survival rate or mortality rate against it, you know, fluctuates uh, between or up to around three to four percent, um, which which in of itself then lends itself to a recovery rate of you know up to ninety six, ninety seven. 98%, you know, at, at, at the other end. So I don't imagine that you would have had a great deal of variation against that rate during the whole period. But to try and pacify a country who's seeing this exponential number of deaths and hospitalizations, I don't think, I, don't, I think it would have been sort of the equivalent of using a thimble to try and put out a forest fire. Yeah, well, See, 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 this is the thing, but then this is the issue with statistics because then we can compare the infection rate, test rate, and death rate of other similar illnesses and how they are reported. You know, we talk about the exponential rise, but how many people die from flu annually? Well, and how and how's that information broadcasted via the the health system in the UK? Yeah, because it's very different. And it it, it is what very you're different. Say is or what I assume you're going to say is oh, but it's it's a new disease and it's grown exponentially, so it takes precedent. But my my question is, why are the stats being gathered 
differently, reported differently, and communicated to people differently because. So, okay. So to to un, to to address your previous point about the the assumption uh, about what I was going to say around that. Uh, not 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 quite not quite that so i think a couple points to sort of note so somewhere along the lines the the government uh, different ministers did have the conversation around the evolving nature of the death calculations so they didn't ever say that this is the this is the definitive calculation that's going to apply. They, they did allude to the evolving nature of it, and they did actually state that the methodology would eventually come to reflect the excess death rate as per what is used to give the uh, annual flu position. That, that calculation is reliant on sufficient um, historical data in order for you to do that calculation to determine what is actually an excess excess death. Um, so I think there's always going to be that evolution in the statistical methods used uh, to provide information around the deaths. And that won't stop for the foreseeable, you know, six months, I would say at least where we have more more data gathered so i suppose this this part of the conversation lends itself to the answer to the question about why statistics aren't static um so if there is more data available it would it would be at the same time wrong to not review methodologies when further information is actually available again it it's not it's not how, but but your question is really around who would determine what's the most relevant set of information to put forward to to the public exactly because but i mean via, via news channels so what's what's the most what's the most sensationalist thing that you could report on from a, from a news point of view the most sensationalist thing you can report on would be the number of deaths and then chart it and show that in exponential increase and show that exponential increase in the number of confirmed cases throughout throughout the country so partway partway through they then sort of twinned it with the uh, testing statistics and they showed the, the correlation between the number of tests done and the number of confirmed cases. So there's a logical leap that actually happens when you look at testing, which, which I, I suppose as a layperson sort of translates. And it, it to, okay, to me, it's logical. I'm not making an assumption about anyone else's view, um, you know, adhering to my same logic, but if you significantly increase the number of people that's tested in a single day, fivefold, sixfold, sevenfold, then statistically, there's a increased likelihood of showing a higher prevalence of confirmed number of cases. Would you agree with that? I I agree with that, but. 
a, a person who doesn't have the time to do what you and I probably have done, which is actually try to pardon the, the pun here, take a deep dive into into the data to see what's included or excluded. I mean, what you said, it, 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 it's obviously obvious, but I guess what I'm trying to get to is it doesn't necessarily... Yes, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not even going to try and, and, and explain that point. I guess what I'm trying to get to is that you are right, but it doesn't give you confidence. Again, it, it, it yeah. So it, it depends on how 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 logical or rational you are about things. So if you said to me that we tested five thousand people, and then of those five thousand people, five or fifty. Turn, you know, turned out uh, a positive result. If I know now know that you're testing 200,000 people, I wouldn't then be surprised that there were 100 people who came back with a positive result. Or if I do the math correctly, 200 people a scaling of four times uh, applied there that came back with a was a, with a positive test i mean if you if you test more people you are likely to find more you know more more cases yeah that that, that is the idea so for me that's a that's a, a meaningful meaningful rationalization to the increased number of confirmed cases as opposed to me thinking that this virus is running rampant out there and it's, you know, spreading like wildfire uncontrollably and it's, you know, breaking new territory, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but as I said, that is, that is my view of it, but I can understand other people not being pacified by that information. So a lot of people I know would actually hang on to that, that, that death number particularly when they incorporated the nursing home, care home death figures into it because that that caused another little jump in the statistics. You know, otherwise they, they sort of kept kept referring to the ONS statistics show a slightly different position because it includes, you know, deaths from different environments and it includes all deaths that have COVID-19 recorded on the death certificate, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that, that, that offset about the prevalence of confirmed COVID cases against an increased number of testing doesn't offset the significance of the rise in death numbers. So I, 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 you're, you're, you do make a valid point. Uh, I'm obviously not disregarding it, and that's the point of the conversation that we're having, just to feel out what we what we we believe the statistics actually reflect. And it's good to yeah. see the different the different feelings or interpretations or what people actually take from 
the same information that's actually broadcast. So I've got in front of me the statistics published by coronavirus.data.gov.uk and this is correct as of uh, now, which is um, 20 to 10 on the 18th of August. And I'm just going to read some stats to you just to get your response to them. So I'll start off with testing. It says testing capacity daily is 337089. So that's 337,089, which is the daily testing capacity. The test processed today, or it says daily, um, is 150,174, and in total, 14,825,051 tests have been processed that's the first one out of the four categories um does anything stick out to you from that Stephen? um so the the obvious the obvious stick out there is the uh i wouldn't say discrepancy but the gap between the capacity and the actual number of tests um carried out each day so that was that was three hundred and thirty. No, no, no. So, yeah, I got it. Versus the hundred and sixty-seven thousand tests. So just under fifty percent of the testing capacity was actually utilized on a on a daily basis. Now, the the government themselves actually came out. Uh, I I like to confirm that I am not working for the government. Um, so anything that I say is not is not backed by Boris or any other sure. member of parliament. So this is just, just, these are just my own thoughts and feelings. Um, but, and, and re- relaying or, or, or paraphrasing what uh, the, the different ministers and prime minister have said during the daily brief- briefings. So the testing capacity um, is a good figure to demonstrate what is what the country is capable of delivering on the number of tests so against the statistics you've just quoted at just under 50 percent of that capacity uh being utilized during the day doesn't indicate an an inefficiency or an inability for the for the government to actually process the three hundred and thirty thousand tests in a day but it was semi-reflective of the actual demands slash requests for the tests during that day. So it's not that there's like a mandated rollout program that everyone is to be tested and the daily capacity to do so is 330,000. It's predicated on the actual demand that, that comes in for it. So... For me, those two statistics by themselves are useful for me to know. But I can understand that the public actually, you know, members of the public would question, why is there this big difference between, you know, these two numbers? And would question if there's some inefficiency or if, you know, they they aren't actually, they don't actually really have that 330,000 if it's so much less being utilized in a day. That's a very long 
answer to that short question. Fair. Well, I just wonder what the people who have been lined up to do the tests are actually doing if essentially 50% of their uh, capacity is not being utilised. But anyway, that's uh, a <laughs> to work out. Um, cases, people yes. test positive. So daily, the figure is 1,089. And in total, 320,286 people have tested positive. 300 and? 320,286. Okay. 320,000. And how, remind me, how many tests did we say have been conducted so far? 14 million and? 14 million, 825,051. And 51. Good. Okay. So I was, I was just I was just curious as as to that that number. Um, so we're saying that the three hundred and twenty thousand are the confirmed positive tests with yes. the daily daily confirmation rate of. What was it a, a thousand? Correct. Okay. So, go on. I'll, I'll wait for a question to come out of that. Well, I mean, it's similar to the question for testing. I mean, what is what is what does is... anything jump out at you at that in isolation or in correlation with testing? Uh, for for myself because, so you you know this that straight away I I actually asked you back what the total number of tests were when you sort of spoke about the confirmed yeah. cases because the thing the thing that I'd want to see is what is the for want of a better expression that positive conversion rate against yeah. against the the number tested so. Um, it's it's roughly two point two percent, by the way. In case you wanted to know, um, <clears throat> from from the fourteen million eight hundred and twenty five thousand and fifty one. Yeah. So, singularly by itself, um, it it doesn't tell me anything. Just seeing that number, and I think. Uh, the the government themselves sort of know this, which is why in their daily briefings, what you actually see is a, a graphical representation over a, a meaningful unit of time to actually show you what that the the daily trends actually look like. So you get some contextual contextual narrative around it to say if it's actually increasing, decreasing remaining consistent and stable, um, particularly around the increased testing, testing as opposed to testing capacity. So the increased number of daily tests done. If you have the, if you have the same prevalence, so circa 1,000 confirmed case, uh, cases per day against a significantly increased number of testing, 
that would potentially allude to uh, a, a slowdown of the uh, infection rate. So if you're examining more people and the prevalence remains the same, it, it, it either represents a sort of reduction of that spread as opposed to when you were testing less people but having a higher hit rate, as it were. So the next part is healthcare. Patients in hospital, 896. Patients in ventilator beds, 73. Patients admitted daily, 128. In total, 133,124. So anything from that that jumps out at you? The what was the what was the uh, one hundred thirty thousand one hundred twenty four number? That was the total number of. So patients admitted into hospital. It doesn't uh, extrapolate any further. It just says patients admitted. So daily is one hundred twenty eight, and in total. 133,124. And I would, I would presume that these were people admitted with confirmed uh, COVID-19, being that they were admitted and in the environment where testing was principally done in the beginning. On the summary graphics, it doesn't state that or otherwise but one would have to drill down into the inclusion criteria to confirm hmm. again so it, it it's it's contextual isn't it a similar similar response to the previous question around around testing so it would depend what the actual trend looks like on a as a singular standalone set of statistics it doesn't tell me a great deal um though those those uh, four numbers that you quoted in in of themselves um what what was previously reported following the mass ramp up of the uh provision of intensive care beds is they they actually spoke about that capacity versus the actual occupancy. Now, since we've had a significant reduction of uh, hospital admissions and people on ventilators, that that particular you know statistic has stopped being shown alongside the rest of this one, which puts it sort of into context around just how much of an issue it is or isn't. But the 73 people on, on ventilators, again, one would presume that they're confirmed COVID-19 cases at this point in time that we could quite comfortably, you know, uh, categorically count in this instance is yeah. encouraging. So these numbers are, we're down to double-digit double numbers or three-digit numbers and low three-digit numbers, so the 128 that you that you quoted. 
the 896 again less less than a thousand so in the grand scheme of the total population of the country it 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 feels very it feels a bit more incidental it feels you know less of a less threatening yeah yeah and then how the, how how do you feel about it you're asking me i should ask you how do you feel about Firstly, the, the, the testing, because those are some big numbers that, that we bandy about, the 320 plus thousand capacity uh, and the 167,000 daily tests against yeah, a total so, of 14 million, 14.8 million. So looking at it as just a normal person, I'll look at it and say, well, how many people in this country? Uh, roughly 67,000. So, I'm oh, sorry. Apologies, listeners. Um, roughly 67 million. 67 million. So, we've not even tested a third yet. Right? So, we talk about sample sizes um, being representative of, of, a, of a whole number. And, yeah, it's probably a lot easier to multiply something to the ratio of three and a half to one. But equally, it's not. It, it's not comforting that that number isn't bigger. And then to add to the point that you made with regards to the discrepancy between the capacity and the amount of process, the very simple question here is why? Um, we've seen different snippets of updates about testing and where they can test and why people should test and where they can get tested. But if their official statistics are saying, well, actually half of the testing stations are set up in the country aren't being used. Well, someone really needs to answer why, because that's a bit of a head scratcher in the global pandemic, the, uh, the first one for a hundred years and people are not being tested for one reason or another. And the simple question is why? That's, 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 again, I, I try to speak to that without sounding like I'm working on behalf of the government. Um, so for me, the, there's still a difference between the capacity and the utilization, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to necessarily use it in, in, in a, in a negative sort of context to sort of say, why is there this disparity between capacity and its use of utilization? Well, then because, because because there's a particular capacity doesn't mean that it all has to be utilized. And that's, so what's, that's, what's, and the, that's, so, so what's that, the purpose that's, of presenting it? I, I, I don't know what it means, basically, is what I'm trying to say. What, what, why what are you telling to... me their capacity? Are they trying to, like, I, don't, I don't get it. I'll be honest with you. Why do I need to know the capacity? Like, be- what does that tell me? Because I think it, it, it seemed like a lot of the questioning that came uh, earlier on as testing sort of started, you know, remember they initially only started testing NHS staff um, outside of the people who admitted, you know, who sort of got tests. And then there was the criticisms as to why it's just those staff and all, you know, Boris was held to, to account in terms of the timetable for the ramping up of the testing capacity, um, not even te- 
testing the actual testing capacity so it 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 satisfies it satisfies that initial hunger for knowing what the country's sort of capacity was because you have to bear in mind there was a lot of com- comparison to countries in Europe um namely Germany um when it was it was levied against in in an arguments uh, in an argument against Boris by one of the people asking the questions sort of quoting numbers of you know Germany testing 500,000 people a day uh for for example so yeah. a lot of that a lot of the ramping up of the 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 test capability was was predicated on on a the need in the first instance because as a new virus and an unknown quantity um disregarding patterns that potentially you know that that exist potentially existed in other countries you look onto yourself and determine what it is you actually needed to do and set up and establish here um as well you you recall that they spoke a lot about the validity of the tests so they said there were other tests available earlier but the actual accuracy and viability of them wasn't as reliable so it's when they found the appropriate tests that that ramp up of availability and capacity sort of you know really 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 took off at that point so the they were always behind the curve so it was always something that was questioned and challenged i get that but the other point that i mentioned uh, when i first when we first spoke on this question was about the actual demand so because you have 3 320,000 plus you know capacity doesn't mean that you have to utilize all of it if so for example if in a day that there were only 200 requests for tests then that's what it is we we then tip into an interesting point around the mandating of certain activities which would segue nicely into the conversation about uh, a a potential a potential emphasis on the word potential uh vaccine for it um it the the same the same questions and arguments would would apply then you know how what's what's the actual what's the availability of the vaccine what number of people can be vaccinated and what are the time scales for the availability etc etc but then there's that 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 issue about how the vaccine is administered i e is it a mandated thing that everyone has to have the vaccine Um, can they do that? Can they, can we enter into a lot of human rights uh yeah, human human right issues. So it's the same thing with testing. So testing they they do say testing and all of the precautions are the the, the key to you know uh combating or fighting the, the the virus. But they aren't going to mandate people being tested like wholesale. So it's not like so your demand was 167,000 to be ten, you know that was the demand in that day it's not for them to then sort of say okay you 100 and you know 33 thousand other people who haven't requested anything you guys need to come in and get tested so 
the the number of daily tests actually carried out can only be driven by demand as opposed to the virtue of the fact that there's a capacity that exists why isn't it utilized yeah i get you but i still don't see why a simple person like me needs to know that i'll be honest with you uh, it's probably granular information for someone for someone else but I don't see the point of it if it's not to be critiqued. If that's, if, if, can you see mm. what I mean? Sure. What's the point of it? Sure. And and uh, I get that. That that's why that's why we have the show. We have we have the difficult, in depth, um, intelligent conversations about these topics to explore the the potential rationales for decisions that actually happen on a, a collection of topics. Um, so. It, that that that's exactly right. So it you it will you can satisfy the the, the data hungry members of the public out there, but in terms of what it actually tells you or serve or the purpose that it actually serves, it all becomes moot in the first instance. So if you tick away the the three hundred and twenty plus thousand capacity and just quoted the hundred and sixty seven thousand number of people tested. What does what does that in of itself do for you? What does it tell you? Does it does it put you at ease? Does it make you feel any better or worse about it? Because I th- the initial challenge is going to be comes back, and I, we've we've seen this on several occasions during the actual question segment of the daily uh, brief. Is you said that the UK will have you know, be testing, and I'm going back to early days, you know, 25,000 people a day by the end of April or May. I can't remember which month, it, it, you know, which time period it was when it was like 25,000 tests. And then they challenged and said, but you've, you've only actually tested about 16,000 people, in, you know, in this day. Why is that? Is there a problem? And, and, and so forth. So... The questions against the, the the data will always come, irrespective of how much or how little. Yeah. It is um, that that's provided. Yeah. Okay, so that's the that's the testing. Sorry, I had to put this back on you now. So I'm I'm curious now. So we, we'll segue back into the the hospital admissions. So we've, we've quoted some numbers there, the, the 896 that were in hospital, the 73 that were in ven- ventilators. I, pre- I presume the 73 is a subset of the 896. Um, but again, I would look to the site for clarification on that. And then we have the 128, um, as, we, as we said, and the last figure, the, the total number, uh, total number of patients admitted of uh, one hundred and thirty thousand, one hundred and twenty-four. How? What? What do those particular set of numbers make you feel? Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it make you feel positive? Does it in, encourage you? Um, compared to like you know the 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 peak of well, of of the the curve in terms of those numbers because we were north of ten thousand um, admissions with. Uh, confirm COVID nineteen plus. 
you know, so, go, going into the actual height of the pandemic. So to be below a thousand at eight hundred and ninety-six, does that does that make you feel any better or worse? Well, it, it's it's relative because when I look at the data, they've actually supplied this summary data with graphs for each of the categories that we're talking about, and you can see now that we're what looks like the bottom of the curve for what's titled the healthcare section where it states that the 896 patients in hospital, the numbers, just looking at them and glancing at them, the numbers look very low and and small in comparison to the numbers that were being reported at the height of the pandemic. But I actually think that these numbers look absolutely small as well. So Hmm. I'd be interested because this is the interesting thing about statistics. So if you're a person who works with a lot of data and statistics and analysis all the time, you'd be you'd be used to looking at source data and looking at different views of how one can present that data and having different percentages and averages uh, to explain a, a set of data. But when you're a simple person who doesn't have that information or expertise and you just look at the numbers, you're only, you're only going to say one or two things. That number looks big or that number looks small. Yeah. Um, and, when I'm, and when I look at the number for healthcare, I look at them and say, okay, well, the graph shows that clearly there was a peak um, in, in April and, and those numbers were very large. And now, uh, thankfully, the numbers across the board are, are, are very low. Does it give me comfort? Um, well, yes, it does in a way. Because if you just look at this graph, it shows that the curve is right at the bottom. So that does make you feel comfortable. But if I was to put my data-hungry hat on, um, I would say, well, I'd be interested to see how this compares against other similar illnesses. Because looking at this in isolation can give me a view of comfort. Yeah, But if there is A, another... Uh, disease that is similar to this or uh, uh, an example of an outbreak before and what those graphs look like at this point then I've got a comparator and then I'll be able to rationalize my comfort because I anyone could give you a graph tell you this is correct to present a bias essentially but until you've got a, the source data, and B, a comparator, it's hard to know if that comfort is an objective feeling of comfort or a subjective feeling of comfort. So, yeah, looking at it on its own, yes, that looks comfortable. Those numbers look small. Those numbers look considerably lower than what they were reporting. But the other side of me looks at that and wants to drill down further and understand what this looks like in comparison to other diseases and what this looks like in comparison to other countries who have done better and other countries who have done worse than the UK in terms of uh, managing the the public health side of this epidemic. Okay. So are you are you potentially alluding to being made further at ease if if there was the same statistical representation of a not too dissimilar disease yeah. that 
that that highlighted its its prevalence and actually demonstrated that you know it could demonstrate that this is actually less than a more common widely accepted or exactly you know, no no known about pathogen or disease uh, that exists yeah. and i think i think that 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 argument was always um was always manifested referring to the same singular disease or uh which was talking about the flu um yeah. i think from the very from the very beginning of the pandemic pandemic i think a lot of the early conversations i had with uh friends and colleagues was around exactly that so it's like you know everyone's panicking about this but have you seen how many people die from the flu you know yeah. each year around the world and then in the uk etc so bearing in mind that the uk statistics again um, shows that exact excessive death calculation which is something that the government will move towards showing as well for the uh, covid 19 deaths here as, as as well in terms of excessive deaths which shows a very different representation of of the of the virus um that would be something that shows that comparator that you're referring to to yeah. give you that broader context about the seriousness or severity of this particular disease yeah cuz we don't know how well or bad we're doing Right, just looking at this, if you're just to take this in isolation, you can comfort yourself and say, oh, this looks like things are getting better. But actually, we may be doing considerably better than what we think if we compare it to something. But right now, we don't know. So yeah. we're being fed these pretty graphs that show um, declining um, data points, which, which, which is good and comforting. But mm. I don't know if this comfort is, 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 is misleading or not. Because I don't have anything to compare it to. Okay. Not that I'm being fed in the same way. Yeah. Because actually, um, I don't recall, and I'm not saying I watch every news bulletin of every government minister on every channel that they broadcast on, but I don't recall seeing as many pretty graphs for other illnesses like this. So it's hard to then just take a cut and dry sort of approach and say okay well we're doing good or we're doing bad it's just, it's just for me anyway it's when, just... yeah when sorry for, to interject when you say illnesses like this so bearing in mind that COVID-19 is a is a is a new new virus um it does reside within the COVID family um which a lot of people potentially you know weren't aware of that there are other COVID uh, related um, viruses out there, but this is COVID-19. I think that that in itself probably alludes to the fact that uh, there are other COVID respiratory related conditions. But, but back to my question being, when you say there aren't, you know, this isn't done against other disease, diseases like this, do you mean like COVID-19 or do you mean like this in the context of the analysis that's put out there? So for example, oh, well, would you look at the position, you know, would you look at, want to see a similar set of representations against Ebola, for example? 
Yeah, so, so I was about to say both. So, yes, you could compare this against SARS and other uh, coronaviruses that have been out there and, and, and provide stats uh, for those outbreaks and compare them against the same stats we're given now for us to understand hmm. if we're doing better or worse or indifferent against those viruses. And then you could look at other um, uh, diseases, epidemics that have taken place over the last decade or, or, or so to, again plot the same data or, 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 or plot the data against similar uh, data sets so yeah. we can uh, so, so, so we can form a comparison because like I said the data that we've been given looks good but I don't know what looks good means does that make sense I don't yeah know, yeah, yeah yeah I don't know it, how it, it, you, you're looking for that broader context you're yeah. looking for that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. that there exists these other viruses that have an annual recurring death toll, like the flu, for example, or yeah. there are the similar other outbreak um, sets of data that we compare to SARS yeah. um, or other diseases entirely, like Ebola. Um, it might turn out. I think, it I think it's... I think, I think... Mm-hmm. That actually... Everything is fine in comparison yeah. uh, to other diseases. Like we are doing considerably better, or it might be that we're doing considerably worse. Yeah, um, and I think that would be comforting to some people by by some degree. Um, whilst again, for other people, it wouldn't it wouldn't make an iota of difference because you know a lot of people, a lot of people's feelings and emotions are swayed by what. By proximity to them, so SARS, for example, had very little impact in this country in terms of in terms of news coverage, representation, and the general public's um, knowledge uh, from a statistical point of view uh, about SARS. You know. This this disease was different in that it it actually went global, in a sense, affecting populations that that varied in terms of their seasonality, atypically when when it would be prevalent, as well for the the, the type of disease that it actually is. So a there's nothing like it in comparison. But I think a lot of the comparators that are being done in terms of how well we're doing is on that international basis. So Korea was obviously subject to a lot of uh, scrutiny because their statistical model showed uh, their their peak wasn't all that high and they they got down to an obscenely low actual infection rate and had a relatively low death rate by comparison. So, you know, in terms of saying doing okay, it's not just that statistical calculation because you have all of the local, um, all of the local variants in, in factors like demographic geography, uh, population density, um, you know, 
all of these other social and socioeconomic factors that actually impacted the, 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 the spread, as well as the actual population size itself. So if we normalize things into percentage representations of the prevalence or the recovery rate, going back to that original statistic, which you um, said hasn't routinely been uh, reported in this country, but you actually uh, streamed it via the Flystroke uh, website from the John Hopkins uh, University data, then, you know, that, that a percentage representation, you know, across countries would, would probably give you uh, some reassurance, particularly around things like the recovery rate. So if across the, the different countries, so between Brazil, which is now, you know, leading into the, the, the highest uh, death rate, the, the US, Korea, China, Italy, Spain, uh, the UK. Um, we haven't actually even mentioned India and, and Africa in terms of their, their prevalence as well. But if you looked at those percentage recovery rates and you saw a not too dissimilar rate, so i.e. Um, sort of 97, 98% recovery rate across the board, would you find that that type of statistic comforting in that instance as a measure of how well we're doing? Possibly, possibly. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying, isn't it? Is there aren't enough comparators? So hmm. I. But that is. But but for me, that's a that's a relatively easy one to actually get to, isn't it? Because they're just two numbers, two numbers that are readily reported everywhere. So testing. And confirmed cases. What te- what in the UK or compared to other countries? Compared to other compared to other countries. Yeah. So the US has the that testing number and that those confirmed cases. Germany Germany does. France does. Spain does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I I'm not turned on by. Uh, by the date that we're getting. Okay. I appreciate that, yeah. We do get stats about other countries, yes. Does that give me any additional comfort? Sometimes, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I guess, like you said, proximity is important, right? And what might work in Germany might not work in the UK, yeah? And... For me, as an individual, and I, I, I'm not trying to speak for every family or individual in this country, but I do feel like more granular comparisons would probably do more in terms of providing people with the information to create their own analysis than to present a view that may or may not be biased, who knows? Hmm. Yeah, uh, that may be given a false or a correct perspective, but we're not allowing people to make the decision because we're summarizing and rolling up information with with, with no comparator. 
And if the other compar- if the if the only comparator we're gonna say is, well, let's compare ourselves to France and Germany, okay, fine. I'll just have to take that on. But we have that information and I still don't know if we're doing good or bad. I mean, that it might just be me and, and I might just be difficult to to please with regards to uh, statistics, but um, thanks, for, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, well, it might be that, but you know, who knows? Who knows? I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I, I, I just think it's all wishy-washy. If I'm to be honest with you, uh, you can't pin it down, and many people will try and argue why it's difficult and it's never been done before, and the complexity of the data sets and blah, 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 blah. But the goalposts have moved so many times that actually there's no point comparing it to anyone else because I don't think what has been broadcast and shared with us is right anyway. So we don't know. And that, I would say, is a pretty, a pretty in-depth answer to the supposed question about why statistics aren't static. I think so. Because there is that evolution, evolution of data, evolution of circumstances, changing parameters, new, new discoveries, um, which then, you know, adjust your, 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 adjust your parameters for inclusion, exclusion, what you count, what you, what you don't count. Um, and in some regards, I think, you know, it, it is important to actually have uh, the capacity to evolve your, your viewpoint, because if we didn't, as a species, uh, we, we wouldn't survive, for one. Um, and two, if further data that supports further analytical intelligence, statistical intelligence, then of course that should be used. The question and the challenge always comes down to how do we then present that information and more importantly, how do we how do we engage with people so that we so that we can instill confidence in what's actually being presented. And you don't get that from necessarily from changing a methodology for a death calculation four or five times during as many months. Um, equally with the testing, um, I think from the, the daily statistics that were published, there was a period of time where they started putting on their graphs data not available past a particular point whilst they were actually reviewing their, their methodologies and processes. And when they did actually next publish the testing data, it was a few hundred thousand less than when they had previously stopped <laughs> reporting it, which naturally, again, leads to further questions from the public. What happened to all of those tests that you were quite confident about 
beforehand. And I think the variation and the changes in the, in the statistics and the methodologies, which is being made very public, I think doesn't help the government when, they're, when their rhetoric is that they are relying on the data to drive and inform the decisions that they're making. Yeah. They're using duff data to, to make big decisions <laughs> <laughs> on a, 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 at a national level. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to call it duff, um, but I would, I would, I would, I would call it challenging data. How about that? No, well, no, no, read. you, no, you're going to stick with duff. I, I hear you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with duff. I'm going to read. <laughs> I'm going to read what uh, the coronavirus.data.gov says about its own data. Again, right? People who died within 28 days of a positive test are included. The actual cause of death may not be COVID-19 in all cases. People who died from COVID-19 but had not tested or had not tested positive are not included. I don't know. I don't know what are in these numbers. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, anything could be in there. It, it, it could, but but some people have died and they may or may not have had a test and they may or may not have had COVID-19 or they, they may, well, may or may not... They may or may not have been counted as a death. Or they may or may, may or may not have actually died of, of COVID-19. Um, yeah. I mean... It, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it is wishy-washy. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you do when you're... What do you do at the beginning of the pandemic when you're hard-pressed hard press for, for answers. Just make stuff up. Who has who has who has a definitive answer about what it is we're going to count? As I said, new disease, new to everyone. I think being caught off guard in terms of its its spread. So, so and, we just make and, it up then, Stephen. So and, we just, and, we, we just make ra- it up. And the rapid rise. So they so they they, they start, right? Uh, again somewhere. Start yeah, it's like okay, so okay, right, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna count this. And then someone else reviews it and says, "Okay, it's a we, scandal. We we can't just count that. We need to actually. We need no. We need to change this. We need to exclude these people, or we need to include these. And a, a lot of it. I mean, so the the government. The let, let's not forget the government is reliant on the 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 the, the accurate recording and subsequent provision of data." from the various organizations for them Correct. to actually com- com- compile and produce these statistics now as you'd expect yeah as a as a as an as an evolutionary um, process the information that was recorded and the information that was required of different uh, trusts and nursing homes and care homes around the country evolved and changed so it's not so it's not a uniform set of data from day zero in terms of information provided right so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't trend backwards so it's always as at this point in time this is this is the information that we were able to report on 
Um, and that's and that's natural, but that that's true of that's true of everything that that's evolved this way. Um, the, the the spread of certain things, the prevalence, and how you how you you count it. It's always always been that evolution. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure the the statistics around the flu until it was eventually settled on looking at the excess death, you know, uh, rate rate methodology to to determine its prevalence uh, on an annual basis. I'm I'm pretty sure in the early days in terms of its its emergence it would have been much the same as what we're seeing now until it's actually settled. Now does that mean does 28 that, does, days really does, so so hmm? someone mm, so that, and, the, and, and, and and weren't they counting deaths people who had died more than 28 days who just had a test but may or may not have been the court covid may or may so, not yeah, have been the yeah, court. yeah. so so so, so a positive so a positive test greater than great greater than uh 28 days um and they That's may it. have may have died from it um scandalous i i i i always i always have these 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 conversations uh with with people and I always, I always come to it. So we always, we have this debate as, as you and I, ha- um, have been having so far, uh, during, during this, this podcast. But then I always like to ask the inverse question. Okay. What, how would you actually calculate it? How would I calculate? I was waiting for you to ask me that one. How would I calculate it? Oh, what I go. would actually do would be to, only count people who they had verified had actually died as the primary cause of death. Yeah? Who had actually died. Not who they think, or not who had just had a positive test. Who they had confirmed. How they confirm it, I'm, I'm no medical professional. I don't have a Scooby. I'm no pathologist. I don't have a Scooby-Doo. However, that is what I would have counted. And I would have made sure that it was validated and verified that that was the primary cause of death. I would not be saying, okay, right, guys, um, there's a big uh, uh, um, pandemic going on in the world right now. So what we're going to do, anyone who dies within two months, who had a positive test after they've died, yeah, we're going to say, oh, no, within, um, yeah, yeah, 28 days, yeah, or more, we're just going to say that the reason why they died was COVID. No, I wouldn't be doing that. I just wouldn't be doing it. Mm. We, you, you know, you can say that um, these are the things if you have proof. Traces of COVID, traces of this, traces of that, traces of that. But what you don't say is that the primary cause was, was COVID if you can't prove or validate that it was COVID. Oh, no, no. I think what we're going to do, we're just going to top slice it. They had a positive test. Like, they could have had a positive test for for a, a, a variety of things. You know, someone could have a positive test for syphilis. Um, but are they going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, three weeks before, are they going to say, why, why didn't they just say syphilis was a cause of death? You know, it's, it's, it's outrageous. So uh, another element of the uh, statistical reporting that... Um, featured heavily in the earlier parts of the pandemic for the for the daily updates was the explicit breakdown of the people who had 
or didn't have serious underlying medical issues. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember they that. Used to, they, they used to make a distinction. So of the deaths, they would they would that say went quiet after how one, uh, after a period of time, didn't it? Precisely because the 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 pace of the pace of the statistical gathering and the the interpretation to actually present on a daily basis didn't didn't allow for when when the when the scale right remember it was that that, that exponential curve leading up to the peak when things escalated quite rapidly you didn't have the same scope to to gather that level of information in well, my opinion well, didn't uh, our esteemed it. politicians tell us that essentially at the beginning, around the same times when they were reporting on people dying who had comorbidity, uh, I can't even say the word now, who had pre, yeah, yeah, <laughs> tongue tied, yeah. Um, but now, but um, very soon afterwards, they weren't even suggesting that having pre-existing medical conditions was a factor. And we all know now that actually the fact that one may or may not have had a pre-existing medical uh, condition, um, people have died from COVID who did not have any pre-existing medical conditions. And yeah. at the beginning it was, oh, you need, you need to have been, you, you need to be old, you need to be over 65 and or have a pre-existing medical condition and, and it affects you. But actually... No, that that wasn't correct. And 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 then then it then it evolved when it when it spread, and I think um, shout out shout out to the uh, doctors and nurses who participated in our earlier episodes, uh, COVID nineteen through the eyes of heroes, uh, parts parts one and two of that. Go go check that out. Um, anyone who's listening now, those are very. Uh, insightful episodes that give you that real frontline sort of uh, impression about what it was actually really like uh, on the ground during the height uh, of, of all of this and some of the actual um, some of the actual eyewitness um, trends that that were picked up on so particularly around the um, black and uh minority you know the black and minority ethnic you know prevalence of cases in in hospitals so when we start thinking you know further about the statistics and the breakdown and what the government's actually reported on so yes in the beginning you had the age categorization as being the most and they didn't say solely that you had to be that they 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 highlighted the 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 higher risk group being age related and those with a pre existing underlying medical um, condition. They also relatively early on sort of stated around um, children being least likely to have you know the contract contract the, the disease as well so there was always an evolution then you started getting the statistical breakdowns around you know uh ethnicity prevalence 
not only not only in this country but in in, in other countries you know quite notably in the united states um, it became quite a feature piece uh, before it was actually really reported on in this country um, to my recollection um, particularly around new york and other really densely populated um, you know ethnic minority areas so in our earlier podcast we we spoke about that you know the socioeconomic factors um, that contribute towards that that higher prevalence around minorities given living in tightly tightly more densely compact in you know neighborhoods uh, more people sharing accommodation and things of that nature as opposed to the more sprawling sort of suburbs with with you know more space square footage per person um but there was always there was always that evolution and i like <laughs> and i do like your 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 answer to my original question just to tie it back in which was how would you actually calculate the deaths and it's a very simple it's a very simple answer to the question but i, I think in in practice if we came to do it i'm not sure if we would actually be able to get that statistical update in a timely enough manner to that reflected the rate at which things were moving if that makes sense so what would you prefer would you prefer it's not it's not uh, a, it's it's not a for, it's not a matter of it's not a matter of preference it, it's i'm just i'm just i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to examine the actual feasibility of of that determination so but but but, but this is the thing I, what i was about to ask is would you want fast or would you want right? Fast, and fast, fast and loose or slow and steady? Is, the, is that what you're asking me? Well, pretty much because <laughs> I guess the problem is, is that decisions are being made. Real life and death decisions were being made off the back of the updates that the politicians were giving us. Life and death decisions were being made. And we're finding out that life and death decisions were being made on flimsy data. Hmm. That, and, 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 and one can say, maybe rightly so. There weren't enough time to get it right, so we just gave what we thought would be the, 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 the closest thing to what we thought was going to be right. And that might satisfy some people. doesn't satisfy me, I'll be honest with you. I think I'd rather not hear anything. Um, or, or, or get some wild estimates and they sell it as a wild estimate yeah. rather than selling it as fact, which is what they did, I'm sorry to say. But as far as I'm concerned, they were printing this stuff as fact. Oh, I mean, you don't, you don't have to apologize to me, to me on that one. Um, as I said, you know, our, 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 opinion, our opinion and views count. Uh, that's, that's, that's the point of the, the podcast to, to get those differing views and opinions to, to you know, to current things that are affecting us. Um, for me, it's a case of the, 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 the position that we're in, in terms of the st statistics that have been reported thus far, for me, I'm in a, in a bizarre way, 
mildly comforting, com- comforted by an overinflation of the statistics rather than an underreporting of the st- of the statistics so if you're going to make decisions that affects the, the the country and the economy and the decisions are being made in terms of safeguarding the general population's best interest that we have to bear in mind here right i'm i'm actually okay with death numbers um i think the infection rates probably not not so not as challenged because that's a direct result of tests that have come back confirmed but like the death rate i am relatively okay with an overinflated represent representation of those numbers because any correction the the important thing to note here is any correction to those statistics results in a reduction in the number is is that would... not also a wild assumption what if it's I mean, you're assuming it will be a reduction, right? It, no, well, it, well, it has shown to be a reduction. So, if, in terms of, in ter- okay, so when they when they revised the latest methodol- methodology because they made it tighter. So, if some of the criticisms were that you know they were counting, yeah, people who had a positive test, and then seventy days later they died, that they were previously included in in, in the statistics. So going by your previous challenge as to you know the definitions and the nonsensical or semi-contradictory nature of the definition of what's included well that that sort of tightening in terms of excluding some of these wild outliers is only going to lead to a reduction no, but so, what about, so, well, it's, so it's not so it's not a supposition on my part though. i think i'm 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 well, relatively i'm relatively confident about that well, what if there's fifty percent more people who have actually died because of COVID, but we don't know that because they weren't included, and they weren't included because there was no way of actually determining that they actually did die of COVID. So this is the point I'm trying to make: is that we're we're all basing these assumptions on the fact that the data that we've already been told about has been right, and I'm basically sitting there saying, I think it's all wrong. There's there's every <laughs> there's every chance that the numbers could be considerably higher than what we're being told. But we don't know because actually we've we've been miscounting everything all the way along. We no one knows. No one actually knows. There are people who are, are, are who have passed away, who have been buried, and the wrong things on their death certificate. That's a fact. Yep. That is a fact. So when we're talking about reductions in numbers and the fact that we any any revision will be a re- revised down well yeah based on the duff data that we will solve yes you're right but actually it could be considerably higher no one can actually confirm that okay so now 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 you're now you're segue now you're segueing into the broader contextual uh conversations which i i also in, in enjoy and and have as well so partway through the the pandemic and heading into the peak i had i had i had always said that if the country had the capacity to test every single person at once people would be shocked and amazed at the positive the confirmed positive numbers that came back 
the country doesn't have the capacity to test every single person at once, and nor would nor would you do that if people haven't presented with any symptoms and so forth. That leads back into an earlier part of the conversation that we were talking about, um, where we we were talking about the vaccine. Um, and how that's actually going to apply. So that can't be mandated that everyone in the country needs to have it, for example. Um, but that that is always going to be the case, and that is always the case with any of the any of the statistics about any disease that has been prevalent and quite deadly uh, throughout the world over the last couple of centuries so the numbers that you have is only the you know the the statistics that you have is only as good as the information that is available so yes you will always have a proportion of of deaths that aren't included in the statistics that should be included in the statistics were it not for a you know a, a, a lack of testing and ability to confirm that condition you know prior to burial and and, and, and so forth so yeah the this this is it, it's not it's never an an exact and precise science so so my point is your point is valid that there could be an increase but that increase is based on a on a on a hypo- hypothetical or theoretical position that we can't otherwise actually otherwise confirm so it just makes it it just makes it a nice conversational piece for us to uh to to talk and debate yeah well anthony i don't know about yourself but i think we have done today's topic pretty good justice yeah i think so as always, Nathan, thank you very much, sir. And you know how it is for me. It's been a pleasure, as ever, as always. And I'll catch you again in the next one.